the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, as well as the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous. And we see every day the need for people to, to step up and fulfill the obligations of that most important political office, which only begin with voting, but include also making an intelligent vote and not being manipulated by emotion. I am very pleased this time to have back on the show, it's been some years, Ed Ring, who's one of my favorite writers, doesn't get, I think, the attention that he deserves. You can find his work on AmericanGreatness.com and on CaliforniaGlobe.com. He uh, was the, uh, he helped found the California Policy Center, which is a kind of a conservative think tank here in California. And unfortunately, uh, their ideas are not, not only not being implemented by the government in California, but they're also not been taken up by the uh, California Republican Party. He is the author of two books, Fixing California, Abundance, Pragmatism, and Optimism, and The Abundance Choice, The Fight for More Water in California. Um, before we go to Ed, I, I wrote down, I copied this quote, and I don't even remember what article it's from, but what he said was, one of the most cowardly things ordinary people do, wrote C.S. Lewis in The Voyage of the Dawn Trader is to shut their eyes to facts. Embrace hard but simple truths, reject the lies, and make some noise. If the world is going mad, don't accept it. Take away the accoutrements of madness one by one. Save your child. Save yourself. Save America. Great words uh, to live by. So welcome to the show, Ed. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me. Appreciate it. Okay. Let's start with it. I often talk about abundance versus scarcity, abundance versus engineered scarcity. So let's let's just start there, and that's just, that's the subject of a lot of your writing, your the books I just mentioned, and your writings on energy. Explain that choice and what is going on with the uh, engineered scarcity we see in California and promulgated and advocated at places like the World Economic Forum. Well, sure. You know, there's two two things to think about. First of all, we don't have to have scarcity. Uh, we don't have a shortage of resources, and we have the means, uh, in fact, and, you know, we can go into all the reasons for this, but we have the means to extract the resources we need sustainably and responsibly. Uh, so that's one question, you know, how do we do that? And the other question, of course, is why? Uh, why is it that uh, we've made a political choice uh, to have scarcity uh, in California and, you know, in the world? Uh, the the trip out of poverty for the billions of people in the world that are still, you know, aspire to a middle class lifestyle. Why is it being slowed down uh, by politically engineered scarcity? Uh, so, so, you know, where do you want to start, Greg? Shall we talk about the fact that, the, that we can have, uh, abundance and what the ways to achieve that are? Or shall we talk about why we're, we're not, uh, permitted to have abundance anymore? Because they're very tough, sinewy questions with a lot of angles. Let's start with, let's start with why do the elites, particularly in the Democrat party, um, want Scarcity. I, th- I think we're in a situation now that's probably unpar- unparalleled or now is unique in history. 
is that, yeah, the, the ruling elites want to grab for themselves, and they've often had the effect of making life worse for their countries and people. But I don't know there's been ever an instance in human history in which the ruling elites have wanted as a, wanted as a policy goal to make, to lower the standard of living of their people. Yeah, the, the thing that's going on, you know, before you, before we sort of ascribe this to a historical phenomenon, because you're, you're absolutely right, Greg, that this isn't the first time, uh, you know, we've had an elite class that's, uh, squished the aspirations of ordinary people. I mean, that's, that's sort of the rule and the, Tremendous growth of a middle class in California and in, in America since World War II is, is in some respects an exception. But the, uh, the problem is we have, you know, it's very hard to kind of get your arms all the way around it, but you have to acknowledge that maybe this time a lot of these folks really believe that we're in some kind of, uh, you know, global threat that there's actually, uh, the, all of the theories of climate change are true. We really are in a crisis. We really are in a situation where if we don't change everything overnight, we're all going to die. You know, that there are a lot of people, uh, even at the elite level where they've got all kinds of education and supposedly have acquired all kinds of critical skills and business and, so forth to be able to look at this objectively and say, no, we're not in a crisis. We can adapt. But I, I truly believe that a lot of them have only been exposed to opinion making coming from, uh, scientific experts that, you know, for whatever reason have convinced themselves that we're in a crisis and they trust those sources and they truly believe that. And, and if you don't acknowledge that, I mean, in other words, if you look at it with entirely with cynicism, uh, I think you hurt your chances to actually communicate because if we don't convince the elites to change their direction, we're not going to change our direction. You know, it's very hard to have a grassroots revolution if every single uh, elite influence or every single powerful special interest is lined up against you. So we have to sow some kind of uh, discord within the elites uh, if we want to change society. And and you can't do that as successfully if we simply write them all off as cynical opportunists. I think a lot of them actually believe we're in a climate crisis. And, you know, we can talk about the climate crisis. We can talk about, well, is it a crisis or is it something we can simply adapt to? I've talked with scientists who believe it's something that we can adapt to, that it's there is change, of course, but it's not a crisis. Uh, a lot of it's perfectly normal and has been going on for eons. And so if you want to change the mentality of the elites, you don't want to give up on that particular uh, battle, you you know, and and that's very hard, you know. If you say because immediately the opportunists will tag you as a climate denier, and even some of these sincere people who have been thoroughly convinced. I mean, look at the people on the left and in the center, and even in the Republican Party who thoroughly believe we're in a climate crisis. If they hear you saying we're not in a climate crisis, they perceive you as a threat. So. You have to be willing to have that conversation. You have to be willing to force that conversation, whether it's in courts or in public relations campaigns or in conversations over and over again uh, with people that believe that. But you, you, you've got to start there, I believe. And then we can talk all day about how it's benefiting special interests. And, and, and that's where it, it's hard not to be cynical, except for the fact that this has been going on, as you said, Greg, throughout history. Oh, sure, yeah. The elites have always wanted to uh, uh, grab for themselves. Um, I think it is unique in that they want the, the elites now want to reduce the standard of living of, of their people. Um, you know, I would, I would, you never know. We don't, we're, we're not, we don't have a Vulcan mind reader handy to um, probe uh, John Kerry's mind or Barack Obama's mind and see what they, and see what they really think. But we can look at what they do. Yeah. And you look almost uniformly across the, these, uh, the elites that are saying that, uh, 
climate, the climate change is an existential crisis. None of them reflect that in how they live. No, they don't. And, and what they've determined, and I guess it's possible to look in the mirror and say this and still think you're a good person. I don't know. I, I, I would struggle with it, but they believe that it's impossible to have a middle class lifestyle for eight or nine billion people. They go, if everybody in the world, uh, consumes as much energy as Amer- the American middle class consumes, you know, we would, we would burn up the planet. It's not sustainable. We don't have the resources to do it. And, and, They've therefore made a choice that we have to go back to some kind of feudal uh, existence where there is a an oligarchy or a upper class that has those kinds of privileges and resources and access to all of that. But it's simply not possible to give that to everyone. Uh, so they're, you know, that's where they're coming from. And they believe that they've earned the right, evidently, to have those kinds of lifestyles. But, you know, it's a, I guess it's an easier choice to make. You know, it's an easier choice to say, gosh, the whole middle class in the world has to be crammed down. We're going to need to have them use half as much energy as, as they're using today uh, and half as much land and, you know, no more suburbs, no more single family homes, uh, you know, no more. Uh, you can't take a shower anymore where if you have long hair, you can get the soap rinsed out of your hair. You got to have low flow everything. I mean, I could start ranting about how hideous the lifestyle is that's being imposed on us. But, you know, the people up at the top have made a rational decision that that's the most sustainable way to move forward as a planet, you know, on this planet. And so, you know, again, you, you've got a tough argument, but that's where you want to come back. You know, we talked about challenging the consensus on the alleged consensus on climate. Now let's challenge the consensus on everything else, because the ways that they're trying to transform our energy economy, for example, are are less sustainable than the ways that we've developed uh, to date. In other words, if we had a petroleum based economy, we would be impacting the planet far less than an economy based on wind turbines and solar farms and battery farms because the resources and electric vehicles, the resources to create these things are literally an order of magnitude greater for the same amount of energy as petroleum. So why why is it that we're not allowed, you know, and that's where you of course come back to the climate argument. Yes. Which which is good which is a good transition because you wrote a great article uh last fall about California's plan to build like two thousand Offshore windmills. It was more like 20,000, but. (laughs) Offshore windmills that from the base underwater to the top of the blade is longer than two aircraft carriers anchored in 4,000 feet of water with cable, electrical cables running towards, uh, to, to the coast with the, uh, with electric power. And uh, that would what, even that, even they did that was what, 25% of the anticipated uh, electrical needs. And. Yeah. yeah, That's right. Talk about this problem. Talk about this, this scheme. Well, you know, I don't think it's two aircraft carriers, actually, but aircraft carriers are pretty big. You know, so I I was looking at a diagram of a 10 megawatt uh, wind turbine, uh, and these are, you know, in terms of being off-the-shelf commercially available, which is an awfully crazy thing to say, an off-the-shelf wind turbine that has 10 megawatts of capacity, uh, they're about a 1,000 feet from the waterline to the tip of the rotor when the rotor's spinning up at its highest point. That's a, a little over a thousand feet tall, you know, and the Gerald Ford, which is our biggest aircraft carrier, is about a thousand feet long to give you an idea of how big these things are. And the Statue of Liberty is only one third that high. And I'm talking about from the waterline to the tip of the torch, you know, you're only looking at about 330 feet. So, you know, you're looking at something. Anybody who's been through New York Harbor knows how big that thing is. These turbines are three times taller. That's an incredible uh, machine. And and they want to float these things. They want to have them floating. So they have to have a, a flotation section under the waterline that's got to go down at least a couple of hundred feet. And then they want to tether them with uh, guy wires, you know, these uh, supporting cables that go from that flotation device below the waterline down they want to bring them 20 miles offshore to reduce the environmental impact which means they're going to be in 4000 feet of water 
And then they have to have a high voltage line as well. So you have three support cables at least, and then you have a high voltage line that's going to dangle down from this thing, go 4,000 down miles, uh, excuse me, 4,000 feet down to the ocean floor. And then it has to traverse 20 miles of of ocean bottom to get to the shore where you have to collect all this power from all of these wind turbines. And, and so let's, you know, let's talk about the math real quick, because if you've got a 10 megawatt wind turbine, you got to understand in California, we deal in gigawatts. Our grid, you know, on a hot, sunny summer afternoon is drawing about 50 gigawatts. And on average, if you just average, you know, the, the, the low in, at night, uh, is about 20 gigawatts. But on average in 2022, which is our last year of data, uh, we, we averaged 32 gigawatts. So just keep that in your mind and keep another one in your mind, a hundred gigawatts. If we wanted to electrify California's economy on average, we'd have to go a hundred gigawatts. So just think about this 10 gigawatts. Ed, let me, let's, I'm going to be rude and interrupt you. We have to, we're past time for a break. Well, so let's hear from Ed Hoffman of United America Mortgage, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. And when we come back, we will continue your discussion about this latest government-planned boondoggle. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United America Mortgage and host of the main event right here on AM590, The Answer. Mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher. And credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget. Not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Redlands Tea Party Patriots and Unite, i.e. Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups. Very pleased this week to have on the show Ed Ring, who uh, founded the California Policy Center. And he's one of my favorite writers. And you can find his work on AmericanGreatness.com and on California Globe. Dot com, And we were talking about before the break the scheming that the California government has to build thousands of offshore wind turbines, three times the height of the Statue of Liberty measured from the waterline, plus whatever the base is underwater. And you were going through some of the just the the math and the data of this proposed boondoggle. So continue. Yeah, you know, thank you. I misspoke, uh, and it's important to clarify this because I started to say gigawatts in respect to the wind turbines. And so let's talk about the difference between a megawatt and a gigawatt, okay? A megawatt, you have to have a 1,000 megawatts to get one gigawatt. And as we were discussing, to electrify California's economy, we're going to have to, on average, and that's baseload power, in other words, it might go way beyond that and may, way below, but we're talking about 100 gigawatts. So 100 gigawatts, if you had, uh, you know, if you express that as megawatts, that's 100,000 megawatts, 100,000 megawatts. Now, if each turbine is 10 megawatts, then you need 10,000 of them. But it doesn't stop there because the wind doesn't blow all the time. And this is very misleading. They go, oh, we're going to put a 10 megawatt wind turbine out there. And people just in their heads, they go, oh, okay. So if we need 100 gigawatts, we only have to put 10,000 out there as if that's, you know, not an ungodly amount of, can you imagine 10,000 of these things that are, you know, taller, three times the height of the Statue of Liberty, 10,000 of them off our coast. But because the wind doesn't blow all the time, you only get about a 40% yield. And the yield is what translates into baseload power. 
So if you've only got a 40% yield, that means you don't need 10,000 of them. You need 25,000 of them if you want. Now, obviously, they're not going to replace all of California's electricity with wind turbines, but this is a useful exercise to put this into perspective. If you wanted to do this with offshore wind to get where we need to get with our supposed electrification of California's economy, which we could talk about how crazy that is, you'd need 25,000 of these things out there in the ocean. And every one of them, we describe what one of them is. So how many of those are they ever really going to build? And they're down there in San Luis Obispo County, and they're up there in Humboldt County. They've already leased 500 square miles of ocean way out there, 20 miles off the coast. Where's the Coastal Commission on something like this? Because they're going to need ports, and they're going to need all kinds of housing for all of the workers. They're going to need to put battery farms somewhere where the high voltage lines come out of the water and they go, you know, on, on land and then they're going to have battery farms because again, the wind comes and the wind goes and the wind doesn't blow all the time. And so you're ending up with this power, all this power coming inshore that you've got to pour them into batteries and pump it out onto the grid as it's needed. Where are they going to put these battery farms? And, and, and nobody's talking about this. Nobody's talking about the environmental impact of this. Just imagine how are the whales going to migrate when they've got, you know, if you have 25,000 of these things out there, that means you have 75,000 cables going down to the bottom of the ocean. And then you got to include the high voltage lines. You'd have another 25. So you'd have a hundred thousand obstacles underwater that are, you know, precious blue whales. And by the way, I'm all for saving the whales, okay? So where's any discussion about the impact on our marine environment and and the impact on the coast when you put even three or four of these things out there? Right. Um, we could go on. I mean, they talk about this boondoggle. <laughs> this boondoggle. But you look, yeah. at the poll, you look at the polling data, and people, oh, offshore wind. Oh, yeah, I'm all for it. Strong number, majorities of Californians that are for this. And it comes back to the, being a role as a citizen. Is you can't you can't let yourself be emotionally manipulated by oh s- save the planet offshore wind oh that's oh that sounds good um, yeah. you you need to look at things logically and reasonably and and you and you you quoted I'm gonna you quoted uh, there's a meme from a quote from Bruce Lee on your Twitter feed you will continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything that is said to you true power is sitting back and observing everything with logic. If words control you, that means everyone else can control you. Breathe and allow things to pass. Good advice. Yeah, I really like that quote. That's yeah. uh, that's really good. <laughs> In our remaining time, and there's not not nearly enough time to, to 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 really maybe do it justice. Is you wrote an article, the intellectual foundations of MAGA. The MAGA position is founded on a solid intellectual and moral foundation aspiring to the optimal well-being of all Americans and ultimately the benefit of everyone else in the world as well. And in our remaining time, please elaborate. I, yeah. I mean, if you want to distill that to the some of the points that I really was trying to make in that article there, there's a lot of issues that do trigger our emotions, but there's four things I think about MAGA that, uh, threaten, uh, the, the elites, if you will, uh, very much. And it threatens their financial interests. And that is the MAGA position on immigration, trade, war, and environmentalism. And in all four of those cases, the, uh, de facto sort of uniparty, uh, policy, in America benefits, uh, it benefits the upper class, basically. I mean, I hate to put it on a class basis, but that's what's happening. You've get, uh, cheaper labor and you get, you create more scarcity when you have all this uncontrolled immigration. Uh, you, you know, you have trade where you're exporting, uh, manufacturing and you're, you know, going to the lowest cost countries. How hypocritical is that? Countries with no labor standards, no environmental standards. So trade policies like that, that eviscerate America's manufacturing capacity. Uh, and then foreign wars. You know, did we really have to topple Saddam? We had them all bottled up, no fly zones, north and south. He was, he was the guy that was keeping Iran in check 
Okay, it's worse in that country now than it ever was under that dictator. Why did we have to do that? So, you know, we don't have to be isolationists, but a MAGA perspective is let's think twice before we get into all of these wars. And then we talked about environmentalism and how special interests benefit from the supposed consensus on environmentalism. So those four areas threatened the establishment in a in a financial way and that's why maga is a threat and there's nothing dumb about it this there's a very solid intellectual argument to go in a maga direction on all four of those issues yes and hopefully go in the in the coming campaign is that we'll see that positive side of 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 Donald Trump's MAGA revolution vision for the country that really can we really can improve life for everyone through sound policies of what you coming back to what you talk about through freedom and abundance. Yes. And we're out of time, and I know you, you're very busy. We could, we could talk for hours about all of these various issues, but I very much appreciate both your work as well as your being on the show, and we welcome, look forward to the opportunity of having you back on the show. Yeah, thank you very much, Craig. Thank you, and stay tuned for the exciting second half of Unite, i.e. Radio. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, as well as the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving, America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous, and we see every day the need for people to step up and fulfill those obligations if we're going to uh, save the aforementioned country, freedom, and republic. I had a great session with Ed Ring in our first half. I encourage you to go back and pick that up on the podcast. Uh, if you did not have a chance to see it, Ed is one of my favorite writers, does not get nearly the credit, at least not yet, that, uh, that he deserves. And uh, he wrote, I'll quote it again, one of the most cowardly things ordinary people do, wrote C.S. Lewis in The Voyage of the Dawn Trader, is to shut their eyes to facts. Embrace hard but simple truths, reject the lies, and make some noise. If the world is going mad, don't accept it. Take away the accoutrements of madness one by one. Save your child. Save yourself. Save America. Good words to live by. And somebody who... uh exemplifies the model of this show, the most important political office is that of the private citizen, is Mark Ang. We welcome him back to the second half. Um, Mark, I know, he's everywhere doing everything, um, meeting all sorts of famous people, and, and it, you know, I think he has a day job, but it looks like he pretty much does full-time political activism if you look at his, uh, his social media feeds. Welcome, uh, welcome back to the show, Mark. Thanks, Greg. And I just want to say something about that. You always give me the same intro. And I just want to say, first of all, I do have a full time job and uh, I'm in cargo financing and, you know, all that and super busy with that. But I also want to say something about, you know, I, I love that that you you uh, mentioned that um, we we are the most po- important political office is the We the People, and I love that. And the late Don Dix, who I know ran this show, I just want to give him another shout-out. We just love him so much. And you know what I love about Don is that he knew how to build relationships on the ground. That's all I do, Greg, and I know you do a great job of that. There's a lot of people in our movement that don't do that well, that want to fight everyone and are more concerned about being right and powerful than to build relationships. So I want to put that out there. I put something on my feed about some of those people in our activist movement that need to grow up. But uh let's let's all build coalitions so we can help Trump win. Yes. Um this really every election you hear this is the most important election in American history. Um this one may be uh because and there's a lot, there's a lot of issues but just uh, the, probably the number one issue right now is the open border and unlimited immigration from the entire world, regardless of whether you're, are you educated, are you coming, are you bringing in diseases, are you part of a terrorist group, what have you? Um, can you support yourself? 
Are you going to be a burden to the country? None of those, just everyone who steps across the border gets in. Plus, and those are just, they, they let you in and they give you a, a certificate to come back to court supposedly sometime in the 2030s. But then you have the, then you have a large number of getaways, people that don't even bother to get, uh, quote, caught unquote by the, by the, uh, by the, by the border patrol. And who are they? So if, 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 if Biden or some other Democrat avatar wins, in 2024, the election, that means four more years of open borders and unlimited immigration and uh, probably another 10 to 20 million illegals in the country. And, and cities are straining as it is. So, I mean, on that one issue, anyone who loves the country has to support Donald Trump, even if even if you think he's the most reprobate human being there is. You have to put the country first. It almost feels like uh, Americans have to go through this little dance, and they can't break out of it, of electing Democrats into office to have them destroy our economy and then wake up to the fact that, hey, we need to not have open borders. Because a lot of this is, you know, uh, oh, Trump is this, Trump is xenophobic, blah, blah, blah. I mean, all of this uh, ridiculous rhetoric that comes in when times are good and then people's priorities are whack. And then suddenly we have three and a half years of hyperinflation, no jobs because they shut down the pipeline in the Rust Belt. I mean, okay, the Rust, let, let's hone in on the Rust Belt. The Rust Belt is what delivered the victory to Biden last time. If, you know, if, you know, uh, obviously fraud, but still, it shouldn't have been close in states like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, uh, Michigan that went for Trump the first time. So do we have to go through this all the time to, uh, you know, for these states to vote blue and then uh, see a destruction in their economy and then come back and vote red? You know, I'm tired of that. Wake up, people. I mean, I think I think uh, um, it shouldn't. People learn history. Shouldn't people learn immediate history of the last 10, 20 years of what happened and stop making the same mistake? I don't know. That's just me. Yes. Um, you, would, you would think so. But here in California, there seems to be um, no indication that people are ready to people are ready to make a change, that uh, any amount of government imposition and high energy prices, um, I've I haven't seen it myself yet, but skyrocketing insurance prices here in the country. Uh, mentioned energy prices, not enough roads, not enough water. Really, or how about no insurance? Yeah, I mean the fact is you can't get home, home homeowners insurance anymore, and now it's a state that's running it. I mean, if there's something that indicates communism, it's happening here in California. But we were a laboratory for communism for a while now. You know, we had incrementally bad, not only Democrats, but Republicans moving the the needle left and left and left, inching away like Schwarzenegger. And then after that, a series of governors, Brown, then now Newsom, moving things so far left. But the people are OK with it because there's a virtue signal. All Newsom has to say is, "I let me have, let me show a shallow display of uh, caring, and then people eat it up as if, the, you know, the person that looks like a freaking movie villain can actually be endeared to the people because they're so ideological here, and also taught to hate Republicans and whipped up in such a frenzy. That's a problem here. So I say, you know." Okay, I have my bones to pick with the Republican Party, with even a lot of Republicans in general um, that are elected in office down to the city council level. But you know what? Please be objective while you're at it. Please look at the Democrats and not put a halo effect on them and think that they do no wrong when actually they're the ones that are causing the most damage. You know, from the crime in L.A., I mean, this is it's ridiculous what has happened in a quick three short years. Yes, and I just you, you see these videos just constantly of 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 of, what's, of the crime on the streets in in Democrat-run cities. Yet you talk to the people do not seem ready, and, and this 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 question has 
has troubled me or I've thought about it much over the years is you see these bad deleterious results in California and people keep voting the same way. At least for candidates, when there's an R or a D next to the person's name, they, they vote reflex, they vote reflexively for the D, about 60-40 in statewide elections. Although initiatives are different. On initiatives, as you know, that people vote much more in, towards our, in our favor on initiatives. Oh, heck yeah. So when you, so when the, when it's the idea, then they, they tend to favor us. When it's the R or the D, they tend to favor them. It's a media machine, Greg. So what's going on is the media 24-7, and you're looking at CNN, MSNBC, that are, uh, you know, and, and also local. Okay, let, let, let me, let me, I have a bone to pick with ABC. If you watch any ABC programming, which is basically Disney, it's all just nonstop uh, promoting wokeism. So, you know, it's, it's all this constantly hammered down people's brains, the school system, that they start thinking that the Republicans are villains when actually the Republicans are doing the adult thing a lot of times and adult voters agree with it, but there, there's this brand like, uh, almost like a sports team. Oh, Democrat, we, we support them no matter what. But then the proof's in the pudding. You saw what happened in In-N-Out in Oakland. Uh, can you believe an In-N-Out shut down in the city of Oakland because the crime was so bad? It's not that, that they're lacking sales. It's just there's so much crime and that area that it was a liability and customers didn't want to go in and get a burger and get mugged and robbed and maybe killed. So welcome to Democrat run cities, right? But they don't care about who, about the consequences of their votes or who is causing these problems. Because guess what? They've had a whole lifetime of being used to nonsense. Meanwhile, us that know better, that have better lives, know that it doesn't have to be that way. And that's an excellent point. It doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to have a society in which gangs of criminals go in and mass loot stores with absolute legal impunity. It doesn't have to be that way. Now, the Republicans, especially California Republicans, contribute to it. They, they don't give, they don't give the voters a clear choice. They don't stand for anything. They don't say, they don't, is, is, here's, here's our policies and select them. When you're in the minority party, you find things that, where well, you're the majority and you run on that. But they, they, they don't do that. They, they, some establishment consultants will come up with some, some bland, carefully crafted of campaign slogans that don't offend anybody. And don't win over it, and don't win over anybody. Um, and, right. and, and that, and that shows, that show that shows no sign of stopping. No, no. And, and in fact, um, even when the clear contrast is there, they won't, they won't strike it because, um, a lot of people in the political class are just that. They're political creatures. And I got some experience of that. Um, I even, you know, for a brief stint there joined the American Independence Party as a far right group because I believe in the principles. And guess what they're doing now? They're going against their principles. And I, I am no longer affiliated with them. I'm switching back to Republican because they decided, first of all, not to respect their own uh, members because, you know, they have absolutely the social skills of, I don't know, a dead bark of wood. I mean, like, just just completely uh, pathetic. And then at the same time, uh, are endorsing a candidate against Trump. So, you know, it's like, okay, everyone's just out for their political power and not actually adhering to principles. So that is a real issue. Because guess what? I have a lot of Democrat friends these days. A lot of friends that are registered D that actually agree with me on all the principles. Because when I stop talking about party, 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 and start talking about principles, 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 guess what? Most people are actually reasonable. So if you don't, if you don't act as a Republican, if you don't act like a reasonable person that knows how to have social graces and be kind to people and care about people, guess what? They're going to reflectively vote D to give you the middle finger, which is the problem with a, not only with establishment consultants and establishment types, but also 
um, activist type. So let's all do some soul searching and let's be people that are good ambassadors for conservative principles instead of trying to be the most powerful or the most correct in the room. Sometimes you've got to pick your battles. Sure. Um, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, said, um, I can't do it exactly, but basically said that uh, someone who agrees with me 80% of the time is my good friend and ally, not my enemy. And uh, that would be, uh, that would, that would be, that would be good. That would be good to know. Although the caveat that if you do something like support amnesty, that counts for 95%. But we are, we are, we are, we are past time for a break. So we're going to hear from uh, Ed Hoffman again of United American Mortgage. And this half of Unite IE Radio is also brought by, uh, Gregory W. Britton, attorney at law, does business and real property law, and you can reach him at 909-335-7335, 909-335-7335. I hear he's pretty good. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event right here on AM590, The Answer. Mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher and credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget, not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, as well as the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups. I'm very pleased to have on the show Mark Ang, who is uh, who exemplifies the, the motto of our show. And we're talking about uh, the California Republican Party and how things, there doesn't seem to be any change in how people vote in California, no matter how bad things get and why that is. Um, one of the things in our first hour, we had Ed Ring, and I just had it was a great, was a, because of Ed, that was a great interview. He's one of my favorite writers, and encourage you to go back and pick that up on the podcast if you didn't, if you didn't hear it live. Uh, but one of the things he did in his Twitter feed is he quoted from, uh, there's a meme with a quote from Bruce Lee, the uh, martial arts, both star in terms of movies, but also in terms of, uh, of his proficiency at martial arts. And he said, Lee said that you will continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything. That is said to you. True power is sitting back and observing everything with logic. If words control you, that means everyone else can control you. Breathe and allow things to pass. So in our roles as citizens, it is important that we not be manipulated by emotion. Like, oh, we, we talked about offshore windmills in with uh, Ed in the first half. They're an incredible government boondoggle, but people go, oh, windmills. Oh, we saved the planet. Oh, good. Never mind the idea of building 10 to 20,000, thousand foot plus high windmills off the coast and 4,000 feet of water is a boondoggle of mind-numbingly stupid, of mind-numbing stupidity. But people, if you react emotionally, then they, then the, the politicians control you rather than you controlling the politicians. Can I say something to that, Greg? Absolutely. I feel the right is just as bad, okay, at times. The right is also manipulated so much by emotions, and a lot of it is the emotion of anger and the emotion of of getting carried away with vilifying people and 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 and, and broad stroking them a lot of times. That is something the right needs to work with because remember, a lot of politics is a PR game. We need to be likable to the other side. It doesn't mean 
abandon our principles, but it also means not being emotional in that other end of the spectrum and being completely, um, how do you say it? Like not, uh, um, uh, uh, respectful of, Hey, some people just have to learn certain things and it, it takes them a while to come to our side. Not everyone is a born conservative right away. So that's one of the things that I think, uh, uh, we have to check ourselves so we can be, uh, and I totally agree with that statement. The moment that you start being so, uh, um, caustic and so um focused on on uh left brain and not not thinking about any of the of the considerations of bringing people to our ideology then that is a problem so i just want to say that exactly stop being so emotional and let's just uh have conversations and bring people especially in this environment when everyone can see how bad the economy is mm -hmm. the um Human, humans are emotional creatures, and uh, the, the, the neuroscience shows that the, the part of the brain that makes the decision is different than the part of the brain that rationalizes the decision. But understanding that, and that's true for all of us, is to recognize that and try to make rational decisions and not be controlled by emotions that are manipulated by our emotions by other people. And we have a chance, we, we talked about propositions, and there's going to be a chance to kind of play this out of reason and thinking versus emotion and superficiality. Superficiality, And that's proposition one that's going to be on the upcoming election. Uh, actually, the election starts in early February and runs through election day on March 5th and then continues for another month while they count, quote-unquote, the ballots. Uh, it's proposition one. And uh, you're probably familiar with it, Mark. It authorizes $6.3 in bonds that will go to the homeless industrial complex of political cronies. Uh, they claim that this is going to build 11,500 mental health beds, which are going to basically hotel room beds. If you're doing your math, that is $554,782 per bed for, quote, friends, unquote, of Caesar. And that's not all. The residents don't have to give up drugs or actually accept mental health services to live in these new hotels. They can continue living in that lifestyle and now at taxpayer expense. So for the voters, oh, homelessness, oh, help mental health. Oh, yeah, that feels good. Can, can and will California voters look behind that and recognize this as another ripoff and and crony capitalism for the friends of Caesar. Will they, Mark? You know, you know, uh, mental health. Uh, it's become an industrial complex, right? Like the homelessness issue. Um, and I think the the left loves it because it's something that can really, if you wanted to, never solve it. You can just talk your problem to death and never produce any action. And suddenly you have a revenue source that sustains itself forever. Governments figured it out. The Democrats figured it out. So now all they have to do is just keep chanting the mantra of mental health, this nebulous concept a lot of times, and then uh, getting lots and lots of money from the taxpayer from it. So that is clearly what's happening here. I think it's a joke. But. Like you had said earlier, a lot of Californians are actually hip to the initiatives now, and they're actually waking up and saying, you know what, I don't want to fund this. Maybe I do agree and I want to make the world a better place and and I even allocate some of my tax dollars to it, but it's gone overboard. And I'm starting to see that right now. I, I'm starting to see a lot more uh, uh people that are Democrats, that are on the left, that are like, nah, I don't want to fund those school bonds. That's ridiculous. They have enough money already. So I think that's going to go down and fail. Uh, but let's see, you know, well, we, I, I don't know the future. California has surprised me many times and it may surprise me in the wrong way this time. Um, we shall see. Uh, you should be at least as skeptical. We should be at least as skeptical of political advertising and claims. As we are, if we, if we walked onto a used car lot and was talking to the salesman about how wonderful this particular used car is. But we shall see. 
Um, got well one minute left here, and I'll kind of throw it back to you. What are what is on your mind most, Mark, these days, uh, politically or socially? Oh, I appreciate it. I, of course, I'm super excited about Trump's huge New Hampshire win. Uh, I think anyone that um, deluded themselves into believing that it was going to be anything other than Trump versus Biden is, uh, you know, has does not know American society or American politics. Uh, Trump won by double digits against token opposition. And really, um, a lot of those people that maybe some that vote, voted Nikki Haley are going to come home and vote for Trump in the end. So really, uh, the majority is going to be, uh, the determinant of this. And I believe Trump will win South Carolina as well. Um, I'm pretty, pretty confident of that. Uh, probably all 50 states, states, but we'll see. That's not in doubt. But I think the most interesting thing is Biden won as a writing candidate in New Hampshire. And it really goes to show no matter how much he's disliked, there is no candidate better than Biden on that side of the aisle. So I think it's going to be a very predictable election. And I'm just going to go out and say it right now. I think Trump will be our next president, uh, you know, in um, November, despite their attempts to, uh, you know, to, to steal the election from us. So that's what's on my mind. And obviously what I said earlier, let us all be ambassadors for the Republican and the conservative movement and and forget all of the trying to be right. And we need to build connections and bring people together because this is a community activity to elect our representatives. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. And that's all the time we have this week um, from regarding your prediction from your lips to God's ears, as a Jewish friend of mine says. And uh, thanks for being on the show and your, and your activism. And as always, tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite, i.e. Radio. You're the best, Greg. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.